Planet Innovation. 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 Oh, no bag, please. I have my own. Can you imagine a world without plastic? How do we get there? There are already some countries that have decided to ban disposable plastic bags, plastic plates, or plastic cups. But what are the alternatives? You know, as much as a lot of people call it a plastic problem, it's really a human problem, and it's something that can be changed through habit. But changing habits is only one part of solving the plastic problem. A lot of people talk about the three R's, reduce, reuse, recycle. If it is that simple, then why doesn't it seem to be cutting it? Are we missing something? Today, not only will we talk about reducing plastic use, but also about redesigning products. We will explore how exciting innovations like edible packaging can help us get to a zero waste planet. I'm your host, Maggie Delmas, and this is Planet Innovation. Let's get to it. To kick things off, we went to an expert in plastic pollution to understand the scope of the problem. Hi everybody, I'm Belinda Weymouth and I'm the director of the Five Gyres Institute. And we're a marine conservation nonprofit completely focused on plastic pollution and how it's impacting our oceans and how to mitigate it. The name of our organization, Five Gyres, comes from the five largest ocean gyres in the world, which collect immense amounts of plastic that get caught in the circulating currents. A little history of plastic. So before 1950, we barely made any, and then suddenly in the 50s, we got into this, hey, we can be a throwaway culture. I don't know if you've seen that black and white photo of the happy family sort of throwing all their plastic uh, plates and utensils into the air, like, you know, you'll never have to do dishes again. Um, and so we went from making 2 million tons of plastic a year to cut to, you know, now we make 322 million tons of plastic every year. You know, we want to live these convenient lives. You know, we buy something, you know, you buy a a Subway sandwich, it's in a plastic bag for seven seconds. There are estimates that by 2050, there will be more plastic by weight in the ocean than fish. And this is why we need to be concerned, because Mm -hmm. 2050, you know, is not that far away. Mm -hmm. You know, this is really a blue planet. 71% of the world is oceans, and most of the biodiversity in the world is in the ocean. And because of the depth of the ocean, you know, it's a huge ecosystem. And then also there's a huge, you know, it has a huge capacity not only to, you know, suck up our heat and CO2 with global warming, but also to take out trash. So... How much trash is in the ocean? What we estimated that it weighed in at was 270,000 tons. But we're just talking about the upper surface of the ocean, you know. 270,000 tons is just on the surface, but the total amount of trash in the ocean as a whole is estimated to be between 5 and 13 million metric tons. Okay. So there's a lot of plastic in the ocean. But why should we care? Out of sight, out of mind, right? Why should we care? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, why would we not care? Okay, uh, why should we care? So um, the a healthy functioning uh, ocean ecosystem is so vital to you know our survival as a species. 
you know, a lot of us, you know, the ocean is sort of out of sight, out of mind. But the thing is, you know, like I said before, it covers the majority of the planet is ocean. It provides uh, between five and seven of every 10 breaths you take. The oxygen for those breaths comes from the ocean. These tiny microplastics, it looks like food. So fish are eating it and the bigger fish that eat it, whatever is on the plastic, because it's a hydrocarbon, what happens is the persistent organic pollutants that are in the ocean, so you know your PCBs, your flame retardants, um, pesticides, so all those things adhere to plastic. So you can have this tiny little, you know, they basically become poisonous pills in the ocean. They've been tested and they say that a little uh, plastic, microplastic particle can be one million times more toxic than the surrounding, the ambient water, because all those, you know, pops, the persistent organic pollutants, jump onto the piece of plastic. So you get a fish that Mm -hmm. eats those, and once the fish has them inside it, and then, you know, there's a bigger fish that comes and eats it, and then those uh, chemicals and those toxins are leaching into the flesh of the fish. It's going to bioaccumulate up the food chain, just the way, say, mercury does from, Mm -hmm. you know, burning coal, there are, I think it's $289 billion is being invested in cracker facilities all over the world, here, China, Europe, to ramp up plastic production 40% in the next five to 10 years. And my friends, we should be going in the exact opposite direction. We need to reduce how much plastic we make. We asked Belinda what she thinks needs to happen in order to fix this problem, or at least stop it from getting any worse. Number one is we have to reduce how much plastic we make. And the second thing we need to do is we need to really, really radically redesign the way that we manufacture plastic. It can't be, um, you know, sing- it can't be the linear, you know, economic model that it is now. It has to be circular, and that means better design. I think that the, um, you know, becoming an army of citizens who are aware and who use reusable items and who you know bring our own um, utensils if it's going to be an event where there are going to be plastic utensils I think that's good because it sends you know a message so you know obviously we want policy change because you know we need the political will for there to be policy change you know if we're really going to you know change the way um, you know the world sort of you know the you know consumerism works and uh, I, I can't mm-hmm. remember who, uh, who the quote, who it comes from, you know, uh, governments don't lead, they follow. It's people and corporations that I think are going to, are turning the ship around. Once again, the three R's of sustainability are reduce, reuse and recycle. In our episode, we are going to change it up a bit. Our three are reduce, recycle and redesign. So let's talk about the first R, reduce. In order to learn more about reducing our plastic use, we talked with Catherine Kellogg. I'm Catherine, I'm the founder of Going Zero Waste and I've been living a zero waste lifestyle for three years. So what is a zero waste lifestyle? So the simple definition of zero waste is to send nothing to a landfill. Right now we live in a linear economy where we extract resources, we use them, and then we put them in a giant hole in the ground. And the goal is instead to move to a circular economy where we extract resources, use them, and then we keep them in play constantly. What were your first steps towards transitioning to a zero-waste lifestyle? I started 
first by not buying any more plastic water bottles. Did you know that it takes three liters of water to make one liter of plastic bottled water? So I started there because it's a huge waste of money and I started by bringing my own and it was a really, really simple transition before I leave the house. And I'm sure most people say this phone wallet keys, making sure they have that checklist of everything they need to leave the house. Well, I just added water to my checklist. So it would be phone, wallet, water, keys, and then I'd be good to go out the door. So what about some of the hygiene products we use every day? How do you switch to zero waste for things like soap and lotion? Some of them I make myself, like lotion or really simple ones like deodorant, things that have a long shelf life. And then I also buy some. And it's really just about looking at green products and products and companies that are packaging responsibly. And as the zero waste movement has grown and this plastic free has gained more and more media attention, a lot of brands are out there to accommodate to people looking for more sustainable options. You may think that an individual person cannot have that much of an impact. But if we multiply this impact by 7.4 billion, this impact can be tremendous. And the amount of trash each of us produces every day may surprise you. So the average person produces 4.4 pounds of trash a day. I haven't produced 4.4 pounds in a year. I haven't produced 4.4 pounds in two years. It would be amazing if the 7.4 billion people who live on this planet could adopt this lifestyle. But unfortunately, it might not be accessible to all. And some people just don't want to change their habits. So for the people who can't adopt this lifestyle, Catherine gave us some tips to reduce our use of plastic. Well, I suggest everyone start with the big four. The big four is say no to straws when out. Bring your own reusable water bottle. Number three, which is say no to takeaway coffee cups. And then number four is bring your own bags to the grocery store. On top of these four steps, there's something else that we can do. Use a reusable snack bag. But how much of an impact does it really have? I spoke to Catherine Gibbs, who works for Hove Social Good Intelligence, about the impact of a plastic bag. So a plastic bag can remain in the landfill for up to 500 years. Um, this definitely varies based on the conditions of the landfill. So if um, there's sun exposure or um, based on the temperature, um, oxygen exposure, um, so those different Um, qualities of the landfill can uh, vary the time of degradation for the plastic. Um, however, I've seen studies that state that plastic never fully degrades. Um, so if you are using a reusable snack bag, you divert on average about 300 single-use plastic bags from the landfill. You also save money. If everyone in a family of four uses one of our reusable snack bags for a year, um, your family will save $96.84, so about $100. So now we have to move on to the next R, recycle. Not only do people have to recycle in their homes, but we need better recycling systems. We spoke to the co-founder of a business with an innovative solution to this problem. I'm Sean Frankson, co-founder of The Plastic Bank. The Plastic Bank, we make plastic waste a currency to stop ocean plastic. We really look at the root cause of turning off the tap and stopping the flow of plastic from going into the ocean by setting up plastic collection systems around the world that allow people 
to go out, collect the waste that's abundant in the environment, get it from the homes and businesses before it comes waste, bring it to one of our locations where they're rewarded with either cash or items, and we continuously look at putting that collector first in these vulnerable nations around the world to provide reward systems, very much like a fair trade, to make plastic too valuable to enter the ocean. Uh, where, where is the plastic bank operating? Um, so our main operations are in Haiti, Philippines, and just expanding into Brazil and Indonesia right now. And a large amount of our clients are all based out of Europe. How does this social enterprise work? So plastic, you know, starts either on, on the environment in the ground or, you know, in a perfect scenario as a collector could go and grab it from a business, a household before it hits the ground. They put all the plastic in bags, bring it to one of our locations, so... The plastic bank locations in Haiti are called Combi Plastic, which means gathering together. So it's all a local organization ran by a local entrepreneur who's been set up and empowered to run our social plastic recycling centers. Mm -hmm. um, so when the collector goes to one of these locations, all the plastic is sorted by type, by color, it's weighed. There's different values attached to different types of plastic. Then the collector receives either cash. In Haiti, for example, they receive solar power cell phone charging, cooking fuels, uh, access to Wi-Fi or cell phone minutes. So the collector gets the value that they want out of that exchange. Okay. Then our collection centers uh, continuously exchange with collectors until they get a large enough volume that it can be shipped to one of our processing partners where the plastic's then prepared for manufacturing, which is usually pelletizing, flaking, or having it bailed depending what the customer needs. So why is this business model important? You know, it's a garbage truck worth of plastic that enters the ocean every single minute. I mean, there's countless stats and uh, different numbers out there. But really what we found and where we focus our efforts, about 80% of the ocean plastic actually comes from developing countries where they have almost no waste management systems. And, you know, it's this combination of this mass amount of poverty and these broken systems that just don't incentivize or make it easy to recycle. So for us, it's all about connecting that entire ecosystem from start to finish. So we introduce not just recycling plastic, but social plastic. And this goes all the way to the consumer, all the way to the companies using the plastic. So we sell all the plastic that we collect to some of the world's largest companies to use as social plastic in their products. So that the consumer knows when they buy a product or support a company, they're supporting the extraction of ocean-bound plastic while improving lives. And when the companies buying the plastic are knowing that they, if they have to use a plastic, that it should be a social plastic, and it's going all the way through our chain, you know, we're able to have that collector-first mentality where we continuously and creatively just put as much value into the hands of the collector. So it can be things like cash, but can also be healthcare, school tuition, It can be solar-powered cell phone charging, cooking fuels. So we're very clear with our own model that we set up independent entrepreneurs to have a community empower the community, and this mm -hmm. is the model that we really scale around the world. Although it is fairly new, the Plastic Bank is already working with some big players in the business world. Yeah, we work with a lot of really large companies, so a lot of fast-moving consumer good companies, companies like Henkel, uh, Marks and Spencers is a good client of ours, Shell Energy... And it's really, the larger the company, 
the larger the amount of plastic that they can use. A lot of companies are now committing to getting 100% recycled plastic in any of the products that they use. And so um, how much material do you currently collect uh, per month? Yeah, monthly kind of varies. Uh, it'll be about 10 million kilos over the next 12 months, and we've collected over 10 million kilos uh, before that. In his TED Talk, Sean mentions the idea of blind consumerism as a pervasive aspect of our economy. When I did my TED Talk a year or so ago, one, one of the big things that I understood is that you know, quite often, habitually as consumers, we're blind consumers. We just buy without looking, without asking. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's been a huge amount of history where it's just impossible to know any of the details, to know the truth. And now we're at this new age where, as a consumer, it's so easy to do research. Like, you can physically ask your phone, you know, is this product better than the other one? Is there a better alternative they should be mm -hmm. doing? And we're starting to move into this age of educated consumers. And when you go from being a blind consumer to an educated consumer, that's when we get responsible consumers, where consumerism doesn't have to be a dirty word when we use our power of a consumer for good. And I just really simplify it, that everything you buy is a vote for how a product was made and a vote for the company who made it. And everyone has the ability to create change with their purchase power. And you know, it's a very powerful concept when we use consumerism for good. To learn more about the commercial side of recycling, we spoke with Todd Barker, the marketing manager for the sunglasses brand Costa. Costa has launched a line of sunglasses using material from recycled fishnets supplied by the company Bureo. So what is Costa? Sure. So Costa is a, uh, is a sunglass company. We are based out of Daytona Beach, Florida. We were founded over 35 years ago here uh, on the East Coast. Um, you know, we're a, we're a premium performance sunglass company. And our focus is really on making um, an all polarized lens um, sunglass line that, uh, you know, caters to, to fishermen and to water lovers and, uh, you know, people that just really uh, enjoy their time uh, in and around the water and, uh, and also have an interest in protecting it. So the Entangled Collection, you know, is really our, you know, our collaboration with Boreo um, and, and their team and their and their material. So it is a uh, is a sunglass collection that we partnered with them on, where the frames are made exclusively from um, Boreo's Net Plus material um, and and the recycled fishnet uh, plastic. The co-founder of Boreo joined us in our conversation. David Stover, I'm a co-founder of Boreo and we're a company focused on finding innovative solutions to keep plastic pollution out of our ocean. Where did the idea to recycle fishnets come from? Just a brief background there. Um, we got started in Chile because we got an opportunity from the government there to set up a recycling program and we had always envisioned moving on to other areas and other types of plastic pretty quickly. But once we started working on the issue, we realized how big of a problem it was. Um, and so we've remained focused on fishing nets. And an issue that we came across was discarded fishing gear, which at the time was estimated to account for about 10% of the plastic pollution in the ocean. Since then, uh, you know, the estimates are much higher that it might be upwards of even 40% by weight of the plastic pollution in the ocean. So uh, it's a it's a big part of the problem of plastic pollution. And for us, we saw a solution in educating the fishermen and setting up uh, collection programs so that we could work with them to keep this material out of the ocean. Okay, so you are educating fishermen. 
But what about the masses? You know, we've been really, really excited to see that response from Costa's market, and and not surprising. It's it's kind of a demographic of people that love the ocean. Um, it's been a great partnership for us, and something that we're really excited about replicating within their company, uh, looking at future lines and future products. But then. Also, um, this type of partnership is really something that we're focused on as a company to expand our solution and really find partners around the world that um, that kind of align with us on our mission and goals and can help us kind of develop the solution to, to scale um, to scale the uh, collection. Bureau has partnered with some other companies, including Patagonia, Asbro's Jenga, Carver Skateboard, and Future Fins. And we're kind of focused on finding those partners that really align on our mission and goals, like Costa, that that want to do the right thing for the environment. And they understand that, especially in the early phase of the project and the development of these solutions, that there is going to be a premium. Um, and that by adopting those solutions over time, you know, that will become much more economical. How much material has Bureau helped take out of the ocean so far? Yeah, I think it's about 40 grams per pair. You know, our programs have collected about 200,000 kilograms in the last couple of years, and we, and we certainly have targets to reach 1,000 tons, which is a million kilograms in the next five years. Uh, but even at that level, you know, we're still, you know, definitely under 15% of the annual waste generated and probably under 5% to 10%. Um, and so there's definitely an opportunity to really expand um, those solutions to, to have a bigger coverage of, of the waste issue. We asked Todd to explain how a collaboration between the two companies works. Uh, essentially, the uh, Boreo has provided uh, provides us with the raw material, um, the nylon six that's made from the recycled fish nets, um, and it's actually super simple. So the the material, the recycled material, um, works with uh, our normal um, injection molding machines that we that we use to create our sunglasses. So essentially, we're just we're just purchasing the recycled material um, and working with uh, one of our vendors. Um, to uh, you know, use that material in, um, in in these sunglasses instead of you know an, an alternative uh, nylon plastic material. Does Costa make other efforts to be sustainable in their other products? Yeah, so you know the um, you know Costa has uh, you know we 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 only make uh, premium sunglasses and we've uh, you know we are putting our our 580 glass lenses, which is our most premium lens. Um, Uh, technology in these frames um, so you know it really is a you know a premium product uh, we were using stainless steel components as well as recycled aluminum um, logos so really trying to make as as much of a responsible product as we can and is the untangle line more expensive it is uh, very price comparable to the rest of our line at the end of the day for David at Bureau the goal is So it's really joining together that messaging of, hey, this is how you can contribute and help with this solution, and then tracing that back to the material and showing that you know there can can be a solution that is scalable and and traceable that that makes a difference for the ocean. So we've covered reducing. We've seen how companies are reusing and recycling materials. This brings us to our third R: redesign. Again, Belinda. So, so just so in terms of solutions. So, if I summarize, we have use less, use less, reuse, yeah, really reuse, and then potentially 
use different materials, although we need a system in place for that to work. So we need innovation. And, you know, 40% of the world's plastic is produced to make packaging. So we really have to rethink packaging. Now, there are people making packaging out of mushrooms. They're making it out of, you know, I mean, all kinds of, you know, really inventive things. So we need those things, you know, to scale as soon as possible. What about these new bioplastics? Are they compostable? Is this a good redesign? So here's the other thing. Um, so they're called, there are two types and they're called bioplastic and compostable. And everyone is really excited about them. And I wish that I was really excited about them. Maybe one day soon I'll be able to be really excited about them. What we found, which you know is pretty discouraging, is that what bioplastics do is they behave in the environment just like a regular fossil fuel plastic. You know, we want bioplastics to be the answer. And there are a lot of scientists who are working on making, you know, hopefully a truly biodegradable one. But that's why, you know, we talk about upstream and about making less plastic. So is there any innovation worth being excited about? Uh, my name is David Christians, and I'm the co-founder of EvoWare. EvoWare is a company based in Indonesia. They are creating an alternative to plastic packaging, which is made out of seaweed. Yeah, it's just like so bad, I think, here. Like, and, and as we know, like Indonesia is also the second largest plastic contributor to the oceans. You may wonder, why seaweed? In Indonesia, we produce, uh, last year's is about like 13 million tons of seaweed. Indonesia is the largest seaweed producer in the world. Seaweed is very easy to grow in terms of the raw materials. It's very scalable. Because right now we produce about like 30 million tons of seaweed, but uh, there is only about like 30% that the area that can grow seaweed is used here in Indonesia. And then uh, by using seaweed, we don't need land, like we need oceans. There's not going to be deforestations, you know, because we understand that to replace plastic like everywhere, right? And then like to replace it, like we need to have like uh, materials that are, that can be scalable. And then uh, seaweed is... What are some of their products? The Aloe Jello edible cups. That's like our first products. And then the second products is uh, edible biopackaging. So it's made of seaweed also. So in the first products, the Aloe Jello is made of seaweed. And also like the, uh, like the packaging is made of seaweed. Right now, the cost of one of these companies' wraps, like a wrap for a burger, is about 10 times the price of a conventional wrap. But that's because they are still in the stage of very small production amount. As they scale up, David hopes the price would be only 20% more expensive. One of the coolest aspects of his products is that you can actually eat it. If you don't want to eat it, you can just throw it away and then can become uh, plant fertilizers also. So today we touched on our R's of sustainability. Reduce, reuse, recycle, and redesign. We talked specifically about the plastic bank in Haiti, but there are other similar projects in places like Nigeria. We also spoke with Costa, Bureo, and Evoware. But companies like Nike, Adidas, Rothy's, and more are also coming up with innovative solutions to help with the plastic pollution problem. From shoes made out of recycled plastic to utensils you can eat, companies are challenging consumers like you and me to make smarter choices by giving us more sustainable options. Ultimately, along with technological advances, we have the power to help make the world plastic-free. Like Sean from the Plastic Bank says, 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I would share is just for, you know, the average person or anyone listening, just understand the power that you have through your purchase power, the power that you have through your voice online. What has your experience been? Can you send us some tips on what you do to use less plastic? Do you recycle? Bring your own reusable straws and bags when you go out? Please send your comments to our website, planetinnovation.eco. And remember to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, please take a few seconds to give us five stars on your podcast app. Your rating will make a big difference. We want to make this podcast sustainable, but we need your help. You can donate on planetinnovation.eco. This podcast is made possible by contributions from Natalie Ballesteros, Jacob Dahan, Sophia Garrick, Shuta Kenmochi, Alisa Kwan, Evelyn Shu, and Ran Taho. See you next time.